good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, good night, whatever time of day where this podcast finds you. I hope you're having a wonderful and blessed day. Hope you know that Jesus loves you no matter what you're going through, what you're about to go through. He loves you. He's with you. And when you surrender him, he will empower you. The, inner, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our weaknesses, Romans 8, 28. 826, 826, Lord forgive me, oh, I messed that one. Romans 826 tells us the Spirit intercedes for us in our weaknesses. Okay, so we're in the middle of our Bible journey. We're reading the Bible together uh, in this series. We're in the book of Luke, chapter eight is what we're getting ready to jump into. And Luke chapter eight is such a huge and such a loaded book or chapter in this book that we're gonna break it up into a couple of smaller sections so much information. I don't want to lose anything in, in the overload of information and teaching that Jesus has for us. And then we're just going to go off into our day with what God has given us from here. I'm excited. You excited? All right. Well, with no further ado, let's get into it. Luke chapter eight, verse one. After, these, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 are with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And I want to stop right there. That's verses one through three. A lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff in there. And I don't want to just keep reading and then leave this one behind and then go back to it. And you're like, wait, I don't remember those verses. So let's stop here. Let's marinate on those first three. Now, it starts off when it says that Jesus had gone from town to town, right? Every city and village. This is often thought to be the second tour of Jesus's ministry, that his, uh, his missions trip, if you will, through the region of Galilee. The first one being described in Luke chapter 4, verse 42 through 44. Jesus probably went to the same cities and villages more than once in his itinerary of preaching work. He's telling us something here. This is very important. We just read right over it. We came to, he went through every city and every village preaching the, the good news and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Because it's his second tour, he's reminding all of us that it's not, it's not enough to just plant seeds. Not enough. We have to go back and we have to nurture, we have to cultivate, we have to help those seeds grow. So when you come across someone who you've had a conversation and you were able to have a conversation about Christ, a conversation about ministry, a conversation about problems and struggles and how the Word can get them through it. We can't just walk away and let that go. We have to circle back. We have to come back to that. And we have to make sure that the seeds that God planted through your previous conversation are cultivated, that they're growing, they've taken root, they're watered, they're, they're, they're looked after so that they can bear fruit. Jesus did this himself. He didn't just go in and preach the good news and leave and then leave it to someone else. He himself came back to make sure the seeds were taking root. So, so must we. It also says here when he was preaching and bringing glad tidings, right? This probably described the theme of Jesus' preaching. He brought good news to the people, news that God's Messiah and King was present with them, announcing his kingdom. Now, one of the things that we often do, and we meaning the world, not just Christians, saved and unsaved, 
We have church hoppers. We have church people. We have people looking for a church that are saved. We have people looking for a church that are not saved, that are just looking to become a part of something. And it's easy for all of us to look and find churches where when we walk in, we feel welcome. We feel accepted. Very important. These are good things. But when we walk out, we feel encouraged, right? We feel empowered. But we have to be careful because there are two types of churches that are out there right now. There are ones that encourage you by telling you all the good things about ministry and God. God loves you. God, they're all true. But they don't talk about sin. They won't address sin nature that we see today in the world today. We're not rebuking anybody anymore. We're not challenging anybody. We're not saying, okay, this is right. This is wrong. This is what God says about this. It's biblically spoken of. God mentions this in the Bible. The prophets said this in the Bible. God had a message. God has a message. And he says, you can and can't do these things. These, they're in the Bible. And we have churches out there that don't touch certain subjects like abortion, same-sex marriage, gender identification, gender, you know, whatever you want to call it. We have God created man and woman, and they weren't interchangeable parts. There was man and there was woman. And we have, we have things going on right now where we're trying to blur the lines. We're trying to, we're trying to repaint the picture that God has painted in the world by now. And I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about all sin. I'm talking about all things that we're doing. We're talking about all behaviors, behavioral patterns. We are trying to muddy the waters so that we can feel more comfortable to do things that we desire in the flesh. Right? And some of the churches that we go to don't bring any of this up. They just simply say, God loves you. God wants what's best for you. If you tithe, if you come every Sunday, if you get plugged into the church community and you help serve in this church and in our community, that God will give you everything that you need. That's very empowering. Who, want, who wouldn't want to receive everything Christ has to offer and not have to give up anything, not have to change anything about ourselves? Some call that encouragement. I call that prosperity preaching. And that's not how we get to heaven. Jesus' word of encouragement was not, hey, you don't have to do these things in this life to feel good because God loves you. No, he says you still have to do those things. You have to change who you are. You have to give up these sins. You have to give up this way of life to be a follower of the way. Because my encouragement to you, my good news, is that if you do those things, you will have eternal life, eternity with, he with God in heaven and all his other followers. You will be reunited with all of your loved ones and all of your friends who got into heaven. And you will spend an eternity with God, the angels, and all the other people. Sorry about that little boom there. I got so excited, I whacked my microphone. <laughs> but we have eternity with all our friends and loved ones who got in. No more pain, no more suffering, no more struggles, no more trials. We're in. We're in Disneyland for the rest of our lives, right? We're the, we're the seven-year-old who just got told that we're moving to Disney World and we get to stay there for as long as we draw breath. Well, that's what heaven is. That's our Disney World. That's our where everything magical and wonderful happens and everybody's smiling and everything is great and everything is wonderful. You don't have to pay for anything. That's the encouragement that we need. That's what's waiting for us, that I know you have to suffer. I know you have trials, and I know it's hard to give things up, 
but the kingdom of heaven wait is waiting for you if you continue to push on if you continue to push forward there is a prize at the end of the race you just have to keep pushing that's the encouragement so when you come into churches that say we don't talk about those things we won't talk about those hot button issues they're political well first off they're not political they're biblical we made them political god made it biblical we take god out of it and they say, well, we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about sin here, and we don't talk about the devil, and we don't talk about the things he's trying to do. And we're not going to sit here and tell you that all the people that are sitting in the seats that these things are wrong because then you won't come back because you don't want to hear that what you're doing is wrong. And we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. So we're not going to talk about those things here. We're going to encourage you that just God loves you and leave it at, leave it at that. That's not the encouragement that Jesus preached. That's not the encouragement that Jesus said we needed, that we had to have. The encouragement we needed to have was what was waiting for us if we finish the race, if we endure, if we push on. And we just, we, we, we call on Jesus to calm the storms, right? We don't avoid the storms. We go into them because sometimes the storms are what we need to receive the power of God. And if we don't have the storm, how can we receive the power of God? And if we don't receive the power of God, how will we ever know what it feels like to have the power of God? And how can we know what it's like to have victory in God's name if we never have the storm? We never have the power. We never experience it. Storms give us power. Good stuff. This, man, this is Luke chapter 8, and we're still in verse 1 and 2. Good stuff. That's the encouragement that we need, and that's what Jesus focused on. So when you find a church, make sure their doctrine is sound, and make sure your toes get stepped on. The Bible is supposed to offend you. The Bible is supposed to convict you. I want to feel encouraged that I feel conviction, because conviction means God God is still working on me. The Holy Spirit is still saying, no, you can't do this. You can't be this and walk with me. You have to give these things up. And as long as I feel that conflict, that struggle, I know God is working on me. And that's the encouragement I need. He hasn't left me. You know, what scares me is when I no longer feel convicted about the sins and the sins, sin nature of my flesh. That's a scary time. I want encouragement that I'm going through things. God still loves me and he's helping me as long as I continue to strive to let go of those things. Amen. Amen. All right, let's move on. We get, we're running out of time here. We're, we're 11 minutes in and we're on verse, verses one through three still. Okay. So next it talks about certain women, right? Luke specifically mentioned certain women who followed Jesus. And this was unusual. Why? Because Jesus had a different attitude towards women than the religious leaders and teachers of that day right? The rabbis refused to teach women. They generally assigned them a very inferior place, a position, a role in the ministry of God, right? But it's interesting to note that in the four gospels, all of Jesus's enemies were men, not women. Women received, women did. Remember the woman at the well? And, you know, if, if you don't remember it and you haven't seen, there's the series called The Chosen, great series, wonderful series. It's not a replacement of the Bible. Let me get that straight. It is not a Bible replacement. It is a tool that complements the Bible. It gives you visuals to go along with the stories. They fill a lot of time in because it's TV, 
The scriptures are very specific, but this kind of gives you a filler and background story that kind of fits the scripture to help you understand why things were done or said. Okay. But they have an episode in, in at the end of season one, the final episode, where they come upon the woman at the well. Man. This was a woman who ministers at that time would have never went to for any kind of mission or role or purpose in the ministry. And yet Jesus went to her and went to her first. And he told her everything that she had done wrong. But yet he said, I want you to go into this town and I want you to tell everybody that I'm coming. Let everybody know what just happened here and let them know I'm coming to bring the good news of the kingdom of God into this town. He entrusted her, her with the most important message. I'm coming. And he entrusted her to tell as many people as possible. He didn't go to the spiritual, the highest ranking spiritual leader, religious leader in the town. He didn't go to the magistrate. He didn't go to the mayor. He didn't go to the governor of the, the area. He went to this woman, the outcast, and gave her the highest, most important purpose of his next mission. We can't be selective when it comes to who we minister to. Jesus brought the good news often to those society would deem to be the least worthy. And Jesus often told them first before anybody else. One of these women that we, we see and read about in the first three verses here, one is Mary called Magdalene. Mary had been demon-possessed until Jesus freed her. Many also assume that she was given over to immorality, but she isn't. But this isn't said in any way in any biblical text. The Bible does not say what, it, what her sins were, what her past was. Men did. People did. Christians did. We like to pile on when we look at somebody's past, don't we? Can't help it. The Christian imagination was made, has made free with Mary Magdalene, but mostly seeing her as a beautiful woman who Jesus had saved from an immoral life. But there is nothing whatsoever in the sources to indicate this. We just know that she was not where she should have been, and Jesus didn't care. That's important to note, too. They don't identify exactly what she did wrong, only that she did wrong. That's all that matters. And she gave it up to follow him all that matters. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod the steward, uh, the king had many prerequisites and much private property, but this official, right, um, Herod's steward, was the official that looked after the king's financial interests. There could be no one more trusted and more important in, of an official in his court, and yet he called on the wife, called on the wife to be a part of his following, of his gathering, of his students. They weren't one of the 12. The Bible clearly tells us who the 12 were, but there were women in this group that he still taught, ministered, encouraged, and empowered to carry out his ministry while he was there and after he left. It is amazing that in this motley crew of disciples and followers and students and servants, to find Mary Magdalene, who was on one end of the spectrum with her dark past. Because remember, the snapshot in time when Jesus came up to these women, when he found Mary, she was demon-possessed. 
I don't know about you, but if I'm starting a Bible group and I'm inviting people over to my home for a Bible study, I'm not looking for people that are demon-possessed to bring into that little circle, okay? This is my home. This is my children. This is a dinner. It's going to be a productive evening, right? I want to find people that are ready and willing to receive the Word. It's in our nature. We don't go around looking for the worst of the worst, the ragtag, ragtag bunch, demon-possessed people that openly look at spiritual teachers and religious leaders and say, you have no power over me, teacher. It's a great scene in The Chosen. Again, it's, it's, not, in the, it's not one of those moments you're going to find in the Bible. It's backstory that they kind of fill in, but they let you know what it was like back, what it is like to be demon-possessed. Great stuff. Chosen is a great show to kind of give you a visual of what the, script, what the scene looked like as you're reading these scriptures in the Bible. But yet, that's who Jesus called on to be a part of his group. A demon-possessed woman, full of immorality. He chose her. And on the other end, the wife of a steward of the king, who was openly pursuing and trying to crush and squash anybody who was trying to claim anything that would give them more power than him. And many others, it says here, towards the end of here, the, uh, the final sentence in these verses, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. We see the true, humble nature of Jesus, who willingly made himself dependent upon others. He didn't have to. He could have just created all the money and food that he ever needed, but snap of a finger, you know, he could have had an Uber deliver everything that he needed in the world on a lightning bolt instead of a, a Toyota Prius. Could have summoned the angels to deliver everything that he needed. He didn't. Rather than just snap a finger and receive what he had, the power that the power he had within him, right? He had it. Bible shows that he fed 5,000 people with a kid's lunch, a couple of fish and some biscuits. He had the power to multiply anything that he touched. But yet, he chose, he made a decision to be dependent upon others. He didn't have to, but he did. Jesus was humble enough and godly enough to receive from others. Many of us are too proud to receive help from others. Sometimes the ability to humbly receive is a better measure of who we are in Christ and who we are in Jesus than our life as a follower and our ability to give, right? Giving, think about it. When you give something, you feel elevated, not, and if you're a true follower of Christ, not elevated like, oh, look at me, look at me, but we just feel better ourselves. I'm, a, I'm in a higher station in God's eyes because I'm giving, right? It's hard to feel closer to God when you're receiving, you're in a position so low that you have to get help from others. You don't feel closer to God. The devil wants you to feel further away from God. The devil tries to use those situations to drive a wedge between you and God. You're in this position because you've done wrong. You're in this position because you're being punished. You're in this position because God doesn't love you anymore. There's no place for you to feel a connection with God in your current situation. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm still working in this situation just as much as I'm working when you give to someone who needs your help, who needs my help, and I've sent you to give. 
Sometimes the, the ability to humbly receive is a better measure of who we are in Christ and our ministry in Christ than our ability to give. Giving sometimes puts us in a higher place, but receiving may feel like we are in a lower place, but we are part of the same process. God is working. We have to receive in thanksgiving, the Bible says. Right? God creates situations, and sometimes we don't like the situation he's created. I don't want to be the one who's suffering in this story. I don't want to be the one who's suffering in this situation. I want to be the giver. I want to be the one who's teaching. I want to be the one who's, who's being sent to help. I don't want to be the one who's, going, who's in the storm. I don't want to be the one who's going through something. I don't want to be somebody who is feeling low because I'm enduring something that I have no power in my own ability to get out of. I don't want to be there, but... Those situations are situations God's created to show the world the witnesses all around us, because there are witnesses all around us in everything we do. You're a Christian. If you're self-declared Christian, you're publicly Christian. There are people that are always looking for an opportunity to use you for a reason not to go to church. We have witnesses everywhere, and God creates these situations because he wants to show them the power that he has to overcome any situation that the world throws at us. And unfortunately, it takes someone who needs to receive, and it takes someone who needs to give, and it takes someone who who has to be in suffering and in a trial, and it takes someone who helps deliver God's work, message, and roots of the Spirit into that situation. And we have to humble ourselves to be ready to play a part in Either role. We can't let go of God when things get tough. And we can't retreat and we can't hide. Testimonies are about how we suffered, how we hit the rock bottom, and what God did to deliver us from it. And he uses people to do that. So we have to humble ourselves to receive. And Jesus did that. Jesus could have done everything in his own power to take care of himself. But he humbled himself to a position where he had to depend on others for his care and his well-being for food, shelter, clothing. And if Jesus did that, who are we to look at heaven and say, I shouldn't have to do that. I don't want to do that. So therefore, I'm not going to do that. Let me tell you something. If you're not going to do that, then you are in darkness. You are not in the light. And God says, those who are in darkness, they do not know the way. And I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to follow spiritual leaders and peers and teachers and pastors and preachers, I do not want to follow someone that God looks down on and says, they don't know where they're going. They're lost. They're in darkness because they're not in me. And why are they not in me? Because they don't humble themselves. They're too proud. They're too elevated. We have to make sure that we don't become too proud and too elevated, that we don't allow ourselves to be dependent on brothers and sisters when we need help. Great stuff. Great stuff. So now verses 4 through 8. The parable of the soils. When a great multitude had gathered, they had come to, to him from every city, and he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it was and choked it. But others, on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let them hear. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. 
great stuff that's in this scripture. And now here's the trick. We've just spent 25 minutes on verses 1 through 3 in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to leave you here, and I want you to think about this scripture, because in the next episode, we're going to cover this section right here. We're going to cover this section right here, the parable of the soils. You think verses 1 and 3 were good. Wait till we get into 4 through 8. Awesome stuff. So I want you to marinate on those. Right? What did we just cover? We can't limit who we minister to. We can't rely on our own eyes over who's worthy and who's not worthy. We can't look at someone at a snapshot in time in their life and say, I can't invite this person into my life because they are a hot mess. But that is exactly who Jesus went to. And then after he delivered the good news, he empowered them to do ministry after they received the word. And because of where they were and where they are now that they've received Christ, they are the most effective and powerful and inspired tool to bring the message to the people. So don't depend on snapshots when you look at somebody. All you depend on is, I'm going to introduce God into this conversation. I want to see how they react to it. And if they receive it, oh, it's go time. It's go time. Jesus loves you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what your struggle is. But I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And if you give him a chance, you just give him a chance. Man, I'm so excited for what can happen in your life. Power, the empowerment, the freedom, the joy that awaits you. The storms won't change. The battles will still come your way but you're going to finally have weapons that work against the enemy. And I'm so excited for you. And when that conversation, whatever comes next, if they say, if they don't turn away and rebuke you and, 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 or just, you know, turn you away and scoff at you, if they receive anything, if they let anything in the, those walls, you see any chink in the armor and they give you a look, a look of hope, look of despair, but they don't turn away. If they stay, whatever happens next, it's go time. It's go time. That's the most important thing. And then circle back. Don't just plant that seed. Get their number. Get their name. Figure out a way to reach it, to get in contact with them again. Give them time because the enemy's going to start working on them too. There's a chink in the armor. There's a chink in the defenses that Satan has put up all around them to protect them, to keep them away from God. And he's going to go after that. He's going to go after that. He's going to reinforce it. He's going to send reinforcements. You have to circle back. You have to go back. You have to make sure that the seed that was just planted has taken root. Give them the encouragement that they need. That this life is not going to stop being tough. But because of the decisions you're about to make, the decisions you will make, the decisions you're going to make, you give your heart to Christ and you confess your sins, right? Sins are like birds. Billy Graham used to always say this. Sin, sin nature is like birds. You can't stop, like the thoughts that go into your head when you think about sin, whether you're doing it or not, just the thoughts in your brain. You know, we like to convict ourselves because where our mind goes. But sin is like birds. You can't stop them from flying over your hair or your head, but you can keep them from nesting there, right? Keep them, keep them from nesting there. 
Good stuff. It's good stuff. Man. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. We just spent a half hour talking about three verses because God is so good. There's so much good stuff. Don't judge people by the snapshot in time over who you minister to. God uses everybody. God circles back. He'll send help. He'll send people to circle back. And humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Giving isn't the only thing we can do in ministry. When you receive, you're empowering someone else who has no other way to serve. God just came to them and said, I need you to give. And if you don't receive, they can't give. And if they can't give, they're not being obedient to God. It's a two-part machine, a well-oiled machine created by the kingdom of God. We always look at cars like this. I'm going to leave you with this little parable. We always, when we go to the dealership, we always look at the car, the fine lines, the color, the stereo, the steering wheel, the lines, the lights, the grill, all the cool toys, the way it looks, the way it rides. But if there's no tires on that thing, that's a rough ride and it's useless. A car is the vehicle, the cabin, and the tires. And sometimes we're the car, sometimes we're the tire, but they both have to be together in unison, working together to go where it is you need it to go. The point of the, the, point of the car is to transport you from one place to the next. In the ministry, the kingdom of God is about transporting God's people from one place to the next. We have to understand sometimes we get to be the car, the red hot rod, the pickup truck, Volkswagen Beetle, whatever color, whatever car it is that, that you love. And sometimes we have to be the tires. And the tires are what grounds us to Christ. Be willing to be the tire sometimes. Humble yourself. Because that beautiful car ain't going anywhere unless you're willing to take them there, to get them there. Amen. All right, so that does it for this episode of Coffee at the Cross. This was Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Our next episode, we're going to be in chapter 8. We're going to go over the parable of the seeds and the soil, verses 4 through 8. Today, we went over 1 through 3, the importance and power of Jesus' word. Who receives it? Who delivers it? And our role in it. Gosh, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so... With that being said, I hope you have a wonderful day, whether it's the morning, the evening, the afternoon, or night. God is with you. He ain't leaving you. He's never left. So keep him close. Keep him close. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining another episode of Coffee at the Cross. I'm Mike Newman, and I hope to see you guys in the next episode as we continue on in this Bible series. The Bible Journey. Luke, what a good book. Have a wonderful and blessed day. May God find you wherever you are. Actually, you know what? I said that wrong. I said that wrong. God knows where you're at. May you find God wherever you are because he's already there.